When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Welcome to our edition for July 19th, 2021. Timothy Michael McKernan, Action Jackson, Virgin Pringle Sauce Boss. Hello, Action Jackson, Virgin what up? Pringle Sauce Boss. What up? Jackson, we didn't do the podcast last week. I feel like I should have announced that, that I'd be vacationing in the Hamptons. Mm-hmm. I missed it. Um, I, I enjoy doing the podcast, so yeah. I missed it, but I didn't want to do it over the phone, mm-hmm. even though it probably wouldn't have mattered. Would it have mattered? Probably yeah, we could have done it on Zoom, too, but yeah. what are you going to do? Uh, so uh, we have now stored up a bunch of um, emails because we didn't do one last week. You're always welcome to email in questions, comments, erotic stories, deep dives, requests for deep dives. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com. Uh, and also, if you're interested in a sound story, we are now able to do those in person again. A lot of people over the last six months of 2020 and the first six months of 2021 were saying, I want to do one, but I want to wait until we can do it in studio. Well, now we can do it in studio. Now, hopefully that continues. Mm-hmm. starting to wonder if that's going to continue. Yeah. Uh, know that we're, I feel like everyone's kind of a little bit back on notice yeah. with this, uh, this Delta variant. But uh, I, hope it, I also hope because the in-person sound stories are really awesome. Yeah, mysoundstory.com is where you can go online uh, to book it, whether you and your siblings want to do one for your parents, you want to tell a story with your wife of your wedding weekend, uh, your children, you want to do one where you want to have your parents or grandparents interviewed, whatever. I do them. Doug Vaughn does them. Dan McLaughlin does them. Chris Raby does them. You can book any of us. Uh, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com or go to mysoundstory.com. That is where you can sign up for a sound story with me, Dan McLaughlin, Doug Vaughn, or Chris Raby. Uh, and we want to thank our sponsors who make this podcast possible. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. If you have not refinanced in the last couple of years, you are just paying money and in interest for no particular reason. I can't recommend it. I was looking at my statement last night when I got home. We were on vacation last week, as I made reference to, so I had a bunch of mail, and I was looking at I'm like, I haven't looked at my... I'm like, man, my interest rate's probably too high. I need to I need to refinance again, and I refinanced 17 months ago. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Get pre-approved on top of it. Uh, you got to get pre-approved in 2021. You can do that with Ryan Kelly. I have done both. I've gotten pre-approved and refinanced with Ryan Kelly in the last uh, 17, 18 months. So I know firsthand that you can get it and get it done quickly and get it done easily with Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. And once you're pre-approved, make sure your home is insured with James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. 
He is my insurance agent. So this is coming from a primary account, primary source. I am a primary source. A couple weeks ago, I was out and I got a text and it's from James Carlton's office. And they're just like, hey, your uh, home insurance is up here in a couple of months. And we found a way for you to save about 5% on your home. I was like, man, this is... This is unbelievable. And they text me. And I love that. 314-961-4800. If you make the switch, they do all the paperwork for you. 314-961-4800. Or go online at carltoninsurance.net. James Carlton. And if you're in the market for a new or pre-owned car, we recommend Munganess. stlouisacura.com, altontoyota.com, Jamie Burkhardt and Clayton Patterson at Munganest. It's where Doug's driving his car from. I just got a car from there as well. I'm so happy. I guess I didn't really appreciate how much I enjoy my car from Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota until I had a rental car last week when we were on vacation. Man, that's a world of difference. The quality you can get at St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota and the customer service you're going to get from Jamie Burkhardt and Clayton Patterson. Not anything better. They have an Iggy special for the month of July. The ILX is the vehicle Iggy drove. And a 2021 Acura ILX is starting at $329 per month for 36 months. You get 12,000 miles per year. Zero down. Does not include tax, title, or license. Go to stlouisacura.com or altontoyota.com. Munganess, the official automotive provider of the Tim McKernan Show podcast. Jackson, what's doing with you? You you ran point mm-hmm. on TMA yeah. last Friday. Tell yep. me about that experience. Were you nervous? Be honest with me. Let's talk. I want to I I get in your head here. No. Not and I being I, I was way more nervous running the board when Matt Rocchio was out, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Much is more that because so you consider board. Rocchio a much better talent than me, and filling in for Rocchio is like filling in for Jordan, <laughs> whereas filling in for me is like filling in for Scott Scott uh, Scott Skiles. <laughs> yeah, you had to go with one of the whites. <laughs> uh, no, because. Uh, and not a shot at Rocchio. It's just if when you're on the board, like if you mess up, the show's not on the air or something gets out that shouldn't, a lot of pressure there. You got to play the right spots because people are, you know, advertisers are paying for their spots played at certain times. So it's a, uh, that's more nerve wracking for me than just like talking and keeping the conversation going. And, uh, you know, I've listened to the show for so long, I kind of get the flow of it and, you know, what needs to be said and timing everything. So it wasn't, like very scary for me. And like I said, on the show today, having Doug, Iggy and rock there just makes it, you know, you, you drive and dish, you just drive and dish. And Doug's one of the best guys to drive and dish to same with Iggy. Greatest two guard in the history of the game. Yep. He's going to hit the shot. Yeah. He's going to knock it down every time. So is Iggy rocks. Great. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, I said, I said, we're going to be uh, press conference Friday. So if you guys don't like the show today, it's on the listeners. Nice. I, good. I, Turn it around on the listeners yeah, and blame them. So I, I like that. It's a great play. strategy. Yep. So it was, it was, I, well, I got any responsibility was taken off my plate right there. And then, um, and, uh, Raby did it three times and cam did it one. Is that the rundown? Mm-hmm. Yep. And they were all, and they were both awesome. Raby was great. Cam was great. Raby coming in from Chicago. Cam was here on Monday. And uh, we just broke it down. Did he and Iggy go at it? A little bit. There was a little bit of back and forth. But uh, no, Raby was uh, really solid. He's a great radio talent. So is Cam. Great. It's a, a real privilege to get to have both of them on. Who ran point the best, rank them, and then give grades? Oh, wow. Uh, you, uh, Cam, and Raby. Uh, Raby and Cam, buh, tied for first. Mm. Me, a good 50 feet, 
than me. It's not the feedback I was getting. I got really positive feedback. You right now, Mm -hmm. to get compliments from the TMA audience, which is, you know, because you see the text inbox, is not necessarily (laughs) flush with compliments. No, they're not. That's saying something. Yeah, Your I appreciate stock it. is skyrocketing. That's a it's it's got to be nice, but at the same time, you know what's coming. Oh yeah, the shoe's got to drop. There's no there's no ifs ands or buts about that. Uh, I do appreciate people if they did enjoy it, but uh, you know, I had no idea you're doing because I did, I would text you during the show, just going, hey, what's going on? How's everything yeah. going? Yeah. Just checking in. Yeah, we didn't have uh, a guest a host. Raby and Cam couldn't come on on Friday, and so we just were like, hey, let's roll the ball out there with us four. I was. Pretty much me and Doug are the only ones with the captain's logs to know what needs to be said and what spots need to be um, spots and mentions. So I just said, I guess I'll, I'll run it up. I'll run the, I'll run the show and let the text inbox light up. So next time I go on vacation, are they not even going to bother with uh, having uh, somebody come in? I mean, was it that good of a performance? I don't think, I think we're still better served with uh, someone like Cam or Raby. But uh, if, if, if I'm ever needed, I'm always in the bullpen. You, know, uh, you just got to just gotta bring me out. Crafty righty. I'm uh, supposed to go out of town in November for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's a weird deal. It's our 10th wedding anniversary. And then we always go to Sanibel where we got married mm-hmm. uh, every November anyway. So that's the next time I'll be going. So what, four months from now? Yeah. Um, and it's a weird spot to have two weeks, but it's our 10th wedding anniversary. Yeah. And I emailed uh, John Hadley, who runs KFNS. Uh, to, uh, to let him know that back in March saying, Hey, listen, I'm only, I'm not going to, I think I've taken seven days off total seven shows off total through at this point, July 19th. And I said, I'm probably not going to take much more, maybe a day or two here and there, but not another vacation. But I, this is a weird one. It's my 10th wedding anniversary. So, mm-hmm. so I don't know. You might be, you might be full-time point guarding. I'll be, I'll be ready, but, uh, you know, that's, I'm just always ready for whatever I'm needed to do. All right. Well, if you want to attack Jackson to bring him back down to earth, send your emails in T McKernan at InsideSTL.com. But right now your your stock is skyrocketing. And any questions, comments, any topic is uh is welcome. And I'm just going to go with an overview on this one because this was coming in both um via email and uh DMs on Facebook. I guess some on Twitter, even though I'm barely on Twitter, I did see, I feel like I, yeah, I did get DMs. Yeah. This, this, uh, one guy, I don't know who he is. I guess I don't know. Say it's a burner account. He just doesn't use the real name. Um, a DM about the Rams thing. And I mm-hmm. texted you last week and I said, Hey, you know, was that like the focal point of the show? Yeah. And I guess infamously Raby teased it, but then you never <laughs> guys never got to it. Yeah. But and, and while I while I find it amusing that gets mocked, considering I tease things and don't deliver on them <laughs> about ninety percent of the time, it would be a, a great deal of a lack of self awareness if I didn't point that part out. So on the Rams thing, now here's one thing that 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 kind of enamors me about you. You you have a, a passionate love for Missouri basketball, and when the Rams were here, mm-hmm. the St. Louis Rams, even though you weren't alive or cognizant when they were actually good correct you just loved the st louis rams football yeah uh and we're talking about like 2000 the spagnolo maybe yeah. linehan fisher era late linehan peak spags <laughs> peak. and then peak fish that's was that was my uh right in my pocket right so when we were doing the show and uh doug the cat and i were doing the show during that exact era mm-hmm Starting in, I think, 2012 specifically, we could never really talk about the games because we're like, the, the, the we have the biggest sports story in the market here, and that's that they're going to move. 
Yeah. But the audience would get upset, not all the audience, but a healthy percentage of the audience would get upset with us because we wouldn't talk about the games and they were being told by some people that they weren't going to move. And so it was a tense time as far as like every Monday morning when the Rams would play, it's like, yeah, they, they beat the Lionel. You love the Seahawks when they had in week one. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, but they're going to move. So to, to like talk about this, like this is our team and you know, we want them to be successful. It's, it's, it's an odd thing. Yeah. But for you, that's probably not the prism you were viewing it from. I mean, first off you were, you know, in your teens or even single digits Mm -hmm. for some of this. So what were you, what prism were you viewing the Rams during that time through? Were you ignorant to what yeah. was going on? You were okay. So. Well, I knew what was going on because I was a loyal listener to the Ryan Kelly morning after in high school, and I was you know going to every single game and uh, you know watching with the utmost passion. But it was just like I didn't want to believe it. Like I was just like, oh, it'll work out. Like they'll the coin will flip and. Uh, and they'll send the Raiders and the Chargers to LA, and Rams will get to stay. We'll get a cool new stadium. You know, I just can't focus on it because I, then I would really, because I just loved watching it. Like it was something I would look forward to every day or every week. So if I were to say, well, I know they're moving, it would just kind of, kind of dilute my interest in it. And I didn't want that to happen. So I just blindly ignored all the signs and kept rooting until the day that they tweeted out that lame-ass tweet with all the helmets saying they submitted uh, the relocation papers. And I was like, oh, great. Here yeah. we go. And here it comes. And then, like, th- three hours later, they were gone. So uh, that was the timeline with it. And, you know, I was very aware of what was going on because, uh, I, you know, I say this not as, like, a someone who works on the show and patting their back. I was just a listener. You guys did such a great job of keeping that as the focal point um, during those times with great guests. I mean, the Terry Bradshaw saying that they, yeah. know, they're gone was like really shocking stuff. Yeah, it's it just blunt. I was off that week, but, yeah. he, but I recall, you know, the day of, you know, just like, he like laughed, like they're gone. Like what yeah. do you, and so, so with what, you know, took place last week, I didn't get into it today on the morning after, cause I'm like, okay, it's kind of old, but for the purpose of the podcast and this, I don't want to by any means say this has been like, because there have been a number of people on this story, but this has been the, easily, without question, um, probably actually probably since I've been working in St. Louis, so going 20, 21 years now, this is the story I would say is most near and dear to my heart, outside of like a Blues Stanley Cup run or the mm-hmm. Cardinal World Series runs in 2016, uh, excuse me, 2006 and 2011. Um, but as far as news goes, I mean, without question, it is, I guess our coverage on TMA stands out not because I think the coverage was necessarily great. We were doing interviews. We were just, I think, I could be wrong on this because I just wasn't listening to a bunch of places. But I think we were, based on the response we got, one of the only places that was really focusing on it and and did really focus on it from the moment of the Stan Kroenke press conference announcing Jeff Fisher's hiring. So you're talking January 2012. Yeah. Part of that had to do with um, I don't want to say I got information so much as you're just kind of putting things together and, and there was, ah, God, it's so, it's such, it's such a tough thing. Cause you're getting into, you're getting into, you know, 
like I, w- I was close with Brian Burwell and Joe Strauss. Mm-hmm. And I don't want, I don't want to overstate the relationships by any means as if it were best friends. Sometimes I think people will do that when people pass away and that, that's not what I'm trying to do, but I really liked both of them a whole lot. Um, always felt Burwell it, mainly because of bigots. I mean, I know that's what it was. You got to call it how it is. Um, guy, for being just the, the nicest man, I doubt you ever met him. Maybe you did. I don't know. But, but uh, certainly didn't work with him. Obviously, no, my mom knew. Him, oh yeah, your yeah. mom would have. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't even have to ask. I'm sure she said just the nicest yeah. human being, and the stuff he dealt with, it's brutal. Um, Strauss, uh, and I, and by the way, I disagreed with. Like, I feel like I disagreed for every one column. I would agree with that Burwell wrote. I probably disagreed with five of them, but it didn't matter. I liked the guy, uh-huh. you know, a great deal. And, um, and I can recall they were getting ready to do a show. We were at CBS sports, nine twenty. They were the afternoon drive show. They were going to do a show at a bar on Washington Avenue called over under. And they were like, intense as they were about to start the show because they had just gotten word that Kroenke had bought the land where they have now built SoFi Stadium. And they were just kind of in awe of like how some outlets, personalities, whatever, were saying the Rams aren't going to move. And so with that and with the combination of conversations with people, some on the inside, some on the outside, but knowledgeable, I'm just like, yeah, the, the, I don't know how this isn't going to happen. And so therefore I went out of my way to cover it on my own dime. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and the own dime was to fly to San Diego to fly to, uh, well, it was just one trip, but I, I don't know where we, we were. We went to San Diego, Inglewood, Carson, Oakland, and went to the town hall meetings there and, and witnessed what, from my standpoint, it's, I guess, you know, sometimes we'll talk on the show about, uh, um, you know, politicians and, and reads on politicians and like instantaneously Eric Greitens. I'm just like, I mean, yeah. this is before anything. I'm just like, this is obvious what this is. And I, I, I'm, I'm confused how people don't see it, but they clearly don't see it. And, and it's got nothing to do with, you know, whatever he was doing with, you know, uh, you know, in the basement, Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 I'm talking about just, you know, but I'm sure there's some people listening to this who think he's great and they're going to be voting for him and he probably will win <laughs> actually, <laughs> but that's not necessarily commentary on him being a great candidate so much as where we are digressing. Um, Eric Grubman would be in the Eric Greitens camp. I mean, it was so obvious. It was so obvious. Yeah. And so like it was obvious before I even got on the plane to go to the West coast on this thing. But then as I started talking to government officials and I'm talking about the mayor of San Diego, the mayor of Carson, um, that this was, that this was a scam. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. It was an absolute scam with a predetermined outcome. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I can recall being, and he's not, I don't believe he's the mayor anymore of Carson being in his office, interviewing him, and it was almost like a campaign speech, you know, for why they need to build the stadium there. And, I'm, and as I'm having this conversation with him, I would get done and he goes, is there anything I can do for you? And I go, what do you mean? You know, anything for you or the people of St. Louis. And I go, I mean, you're the, it'd be like if I went into the mayor of Brentwood's office, you know, I mean, you know, thanks, but I mean, I don't know what, you what are you going to do, you know, uh, you know, I'm looking for an in and out. If there's one in the, in the area, but other than that, yeah. 
Um, and then I go over to the Carson Stadium site and there's security and uh, the Carson, uh, the security goes, um, who are you here to see? And I said, oh, we're here. We're getting a tour of the stadium site. And the guy starts laughing. He goes, it's a landfill. This isn't a stadium site. <laughs> Like they knew that it wasn't happening. And then yeah. I go, then I drive down to San Diego from Carson after that interview and meet with the mayor of San Diego. I know he's no longer the mayor and he's getting mic'd up and, uh, and he goes, how you doing? I'm saying, good. He goes, uh, so you're in from St. Louis. I said, yeah, I've been in St. Louis for, from St. Louis for a couple of days. Was just up in Carson, actually looking at the uh, stadium site. He goes, oh, stadium site. And he just kind of like, as he's getting mic'd up, he yeah. kind of laughs to himself and he goes, how's that looked? Yeah. And I said, I'm just kind of getting, and I said to him, and again, this wasn't, we weren't recording it. I said, it just all just seems like a, a bluff, yeah. you know? And he goes, I trust your instinct. <laughs> 10 minutes before I had sat down to do this interview with him, the Grubman team had just come down from his office. We were going into the security building, the security line at City Hall in San Diego, and the NFL people were coming out of his office and going down the steps because they had the town hall there that night in a couple of hours. Yeah. And he just kind of knew what the situation was. And one of the things that they kept saying over and over again was, it is our goal to keep these teams in their home markets. And now here we are. And it, it really isn't shocking. My God, I would have bet it all day long. All three aren't in their home markets. San Diego's in LA, St. Louis is in LA, and Oakland is in Las Vegas. And, and it happened, you know, all within a couple of months of that. That was October, November 15 when I was there. The vote happened in, in January of 16. And... And so what has now been coming out with information as this continues to go on um, with, with the lawsuit from the city of St. Louis is information that I think for some people in the area is either going, you got to be kidding me. Or I think for more people, it's like, yeah, this is what we kind of thought. It just was maybe more over the top than, yeah. than, than what we thought. But I'm, you know, the Post-Dispatch published excerpts of these depositions and it, it keeps going back to the Rams line is, well, it's because the lease and that allowed us to be free agents. And that isn't the point of the lawsuit. And it's an amazing thing to me that that is somehow getting lost in the coverage, mm -hmm. not locally, but locally, obviously it, it, it's, there's, there's emotional and potentially financial investment in, in whatever the outcome is being pro St. Louis. But when it's talked about, if it does get talked about at all nationally, or mm -hmm. if it gets talked about from the Los Angeles side, yeah. it's about the that's not what it's about. Mm -hmm. It's about statements to the contrary that then led to people spending their money. And that's, that is the issue. And, and so to take a, you know, and I'm flattered, I'm flattered that when these things come out, you know, it's not like I'm having hundreds and hundreds of people contacting me. It's flattering. You know, most of the time when you're on vacation, you'd like people to just, if they can, for the most part, leave you alone. But with this, this is a big story. And I kind of like, ah, I almost want to call into the show and talk about it just because yeah. I want to talk about it. But, you know, it's not my place to, to do that. I'm off and let, let, you know, whoever was filling in that day um, handle it. Um, but that people want to hear my opinion because I was close to it. And I would talk with Kevin Demoff regularly have spent Jay Nixon and Dave Peacock have both been on this podcast. We talked about it at length with them. Um, and, and what my opinion is on this thing, the biggest, there's so many different elements of it. First off, I am amazed that this continues. Yeah. I'm amazed that it continues just in the sense that, you know, at least I don't want to say, you know, 
it's not fair. I want to try to stick to words that actually mean what I'm saying and what their, their true truths are. I would say with a 99% amount of certainty that the NFL has tried to settle this thing. So then you go, why hasn't it been settled? And I don't have the answer to that. But maybe because that they would need to admit that they were guilty. But the, the money can make it go away. It's yeah. just there's something odd about. I don't know, and, and I don't say odd because again, I'm trying to stick to the actual words. I mean, uh-huh. um, there is th- this thing might just this might go the distance. Uh-huh. My thought process was. It, it would just, I wanted it to get here. Just didn't think it was likely it would get here because at some point there'll be a dollar figure where they go, okay, fine. And I'm just not sure. I'm not sure what the end game is. Um, and I'm not, I'm, not ta- I'm talking about the St. Louis side here. Yeah. The NFL didn't want this stuff out now at this point. From the NFL standpoint, they have already lost in this sense that it has gotten this far. Now you can still make the case that they have won in the sense that they got a privately funded stadium built in Los Angeles. Yeah. Overall, I think proportionately they'd still take it, but it's got to be getting to a point or has already gotten past the point of them going, what in the hell has happened here? Mm -hmm. Secondarily to that falling under that umbrella, the Rams are responsible for this. And I'm not talking about their actions. I'm talking about their words. They were so brazen it was. It's. It's like. It's. It's like when a dictator ha- has to go in front of a court after you know, yeah. just running things and thinking they could get away with things, and then you find out what was going on, and you go, "How could you be that dumb to do this stuff?" Yeah. But the one that stood out. I mean, there are plenty of things, but the one that stood out to me was the interview that Kroenke and Demoff did the morning after the vote in Houston in January of 16, where they fly Sam Farmer of the Los Angeles Times back to L.A. from Houston on Crocky's plane and tell the story of Stan driving around Inglewood at like 5.30 in the morning calling Kevin in 2013 that he's found the site for the stadium and to like brag about that. Yeah, so it's, weird. It's, it's, so, it's so dumb. It's, yeah. it's, and not only is it weird, but it's just like you got to know better than that but they're so brazen because they think they're above the law yeah and i can understand why you think you're above the law but it turns out you weren't and now you got this on your hands and it didn't have to be this way so i recall saying on tma during that whole thing playing out like we may not like the way stan Kroenke's handling this and we may not like the idea of him moving to los angeles but i get it yeah i get him not talking uh-huh i remember talking with strauss about this and I go, God, it's just so odd to me that he doesn't say anything. He goes, well, if he really wants to move and plans to move, then it wouldn't behoove him to say anything. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know. so why would he say anything? Mm-hmm. But then what the fuck was Demoff doing? Yeah, exactly. Why was he saying things? I don't get that. And, I, and Doug and I would have this disagreement. And sometimes Doug and I just see things totally differently, like the Cardinals buyers and sellers thing a couple weeks ago. Uh-huh. And it doesn't mean we dislike each other. Oh my God, the guy's the greatest. But but we just I would just philosophically at our core have different views on things. And his view was, well, the more Demoff talks about them staying, the more money they're going to make from you know merch and attendance and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I get that, but if the in the end goal is to get to Los Angeles, then don't do anything to yeah. screw it up. Yeah. And so I still don't get what that was about. Either way, here we are five, six, seven years later from when the statements were made, and now they're going to be burned by them. 
yeah. to the point that you have this stuff getting out. Um, I mean, some of it being amusing, but some of it in now bringing in people such as Clark Hunt, Jerry Jones, um, Robert Kraft. You know, I mean, you have some big names in the NFL uh, who are now getting deposed and, and now going to have their financials yeah. uh, audited. Audit it. I mean, it's something else that this has gotten to this point. So I don't, I don't know. I really don't know what the end game is. Yeah. Is 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 there is there is like okay, give us X amount of dollars, then it goes away. Is it we don't care? We just want people to see. And now the NFL will not be able to do this to another market. And now you'll be you'll be dealing with some. Um, you know, having potential exemptions going away. Yeah. Is it an NFL franchise, kind of like the Cleveland make good with the Ravens situation? Uh-huh. I really don't know. And I'm not saying that saying it is going to happen. I'm just trying to figure it out because there, I'm operating off of the premise, from what I think is a logic standpoint, that the NFL would go, okay, $100 million, good, here. Yeah, it's Stan, Stan, you guys. They would do it themselves. Exa- exactly. So that has to have been offered. And I don't, I just can't imagine that, the NFL's gets and the owners have so much money to not get to this point. I'm just curious what the hell is going on, not from an anger standpoint, uh-huh. because what has transpired is what I thought was transpiring. And not thought, I don't want to say new, but had a very good idea yeah. that the Chargers and Rams were going to Los Angeles before the vote even took place, mm-hmm. which then gets you to the point, and I guess that's why I always make a big deal, Jackson, out of the 5 1 vote from the Los Angeles committee recommending Carson. Yeah. If I knew, and I want to say knew from a loose standpoint of the word knew, if I had a phone conversation with Kevin Demoff the night or the week before the vote, and it was one or the other, in which he said, yeah, we kind of think it'll wind up being us and the Chargers, and they'll want us to work with the Chargers. That's what they anticipate happening. Mm -hmm. Then why... Why did the NFL go through the charade of the five one thing? Yeah. Unless it was all unless they were all in on it together. I don't It seems so useless. And the Jerry Jones thing was the most damning thing because you know, he's the one who talked with Stan and talked with all the owners in a closed door meeting, which they don't do unless they're voting on a new Super commissioner. Bowl. Yeah, or Super Bowl. Right. Super Bowl. Uh, and then there's a bunch of PSLs and boxes for Jerry Jones and SoFi Stadium. Right. And they used his company yeah. the day Legends. after the vote. Yes. Yeah. So that's, uh, that, that, I mean, that right there is like clear and prudent evidence that nothing about this was really on the level. Why have the vote if it means nothing? I mean, what, and, and you're right. Like, what was, so if you're not going to do that, why go through the whole charade? Like, I just don't, I get, I get, I get like the, the whole, the town halls mm -hmm. that was checking the boxes. Yeah. That was checking the boxes. I, I mean, I, I've, I've, again, I want to emphasize this. Uh-huh. These are just flat out theories. This yeah. is flat out. This isn't coming from anybody. This is one actually completely my own. I have theorized before that the reason why the stadium thing came along from the St. Louis side was to be able to litigate down the road. They knew they weren't taking it. No. And and by they, I mean Nixon, Peacock, Blitz. Yeah. Now that that's my opinion that they knew that the Rams weren't taking it. Uh-huh. But if they didn't put forth a plan, yeah, then there would be it would be over. You need exactly. a viable plan. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So I wonder about that because I can tell you from my conversations the Rams weren't even remotely considering it. No. 
Um, you know, the, one of the famous things was uh, the national rent. What was it? National rent a car stadium yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I remember talking to Demoff about that, and I go, well, "What about that?" He goes, yeah. "He goes the sponsorship thing." He goes, "That's just free publicity for national." He goes, "You you should have put Inside STL on it." <laughs> you know, he goes, "Because it's never going to happen, so it doesn't matter." So they just got free advertising for a month because it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I go, then what are they doing? He goes, I honestly, I, I have no idea unless they're trying to get the Raiders or the Chargers. Um, he goes, I don't think that the Raiders would happen, but maybe it would. And he goes, There's, I can't see Dean Spanos moving from San Diego to, to St. Louis. He goes, most people work all their lives to get to San Diego. They don't work all their lives to leave San Diego. I remember him saying that. Um, so you sit there and you go, well, you know, what? what was the angle here when... You know, what, what's why are they bragging about how they, you know, and they shoved it up St. Louis's ass the day before the vote with the, what did they, the adios motherfuckers letter? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Salt in the earth. Yeah. Salt in the wounds, I yeah. think. Uh, that, that I, so I just am trying to, like, there's, there's some of this that I still haven't been able to put together. But the biggest thing that I still, from the whole thing, that it's gotten to this point, that this thing may actually go to trial, is what does St. Louis want? Mm-hmm. And I'm and, and I'm not saying that from a complaint standpoint. Like, what will get it done? What will put it to bed? What yeah. will end What's it? What's the number? Is it the number? Is it a team? Are they just are they just wanting to slit the NFL's throat? I don't know. I really don't know. It might be a combination. It might be the right number mixed with the, all this exposure they're getting to the NFL, mixed with the possibility of a franchise. Maybe not now, but down the road. But I mean, how are you going to make sure they keep good on that? So I don't know what the end game, because they have to be fighting for something. I really doubt they're doing this just to expose the NFL. Right. I don't think most people who are even NFL fans think that the NFL is completely on the level, but they have to have, and I don't think it's a number, because I think that the NFL would have already thrown that's out that That's my number. point, and that's my reason for asking that question, because that one doesn't have an answer for it. Yeah. So then you'd sit there and you go, okay, if you knew the Rams weren't staying no matter what, were you building a stadium for this litigation that we're now seeing play out six years later, or were you trying to lure a team to St. Louis? And I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It is, it was so, it was so, I don't know. I guess I use the term mafioso in the sense that there was so, I mean, so many, the text messages and the phone conversations I had during that time period and the stuff I was with, with politicians. It's an unreal story. Um, because it's scummier mm-hmm. than I think the public even realizes, even though the public in St. Louis realizes it was scummy. It's yeah. actually somehow scummier. And this is the stuff I know, much less the stuff I don't know, which then gets me to this. Another thing Doug and I would argue about, he goes, oh, it's not getting attention because people are over it. I'm going, I don't think people are over it. I don't think people are over it at all. It's not about over it. It's about like the scum that went on. Yeah. You know, it's like, get over it, St. Louis. It's like this, but, but you say St. Louis doesn't deserve an NFL team because you've lost two NFL franchises. Well, here, the deal was done. Yeah. The deal was done. It didn't yeah. have anything to do with St. Louis. Unfulfilled. People are, unfulfilled. it's not, they're not satisfied with just Rams move. St. Louis doesn't have a team. Well, there Game is over. a, there is a correlation, right or wrong, uh-huh. or as Kevin Demoff would say, fairly or unfairly, mm-hmm. there is a correlation, right or wrong, that if you have an NFL team, you're a major league city. Mm-hmm. Now, it, of course, is not absolute, um, but outside of Orlando, I think the next biggest market, if you're ranking the markets in St. Louis, is now down to 23, uh, that doesn't have an NFL franchise is St. Louis. 
I realize, of course, Green Bay, that's a unique situation. But across the board, otherwise, um, that you, you know, have a pride factor in that. And also from if you're looking to move a business or moving to a city, that's a that's that's an element of the discussion. And so when you have a narrative that the city is dying, when you have a narrative that people don't want to live there, and then you have lost two NFL franchises, it adds to that. Well, then Kroenke uh, fires the shot the day before. Demo fires the shot and has Kroenke sign it. Uh, and then they move. Then it is, well, I mean, the Rams belonged in L.A. and St. Louis couldn't support two NFL franchises. Why would you give them another one? So I don't know if that is is part of it to try to right that wrong and then the Taylors would wind up owning the NFL franchise. I have I have no idea on this. I have no idea, but I from from my standpoint um the fact that this has gotten this far is something I mean I'm thrilled about. Mm-hmm. But I just I'm I cannot believe that these uh, these guys in the NFL who usually get anything and everything they want. Yeah. Um have gotten to the, this point where this stuff is getting exposed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, I think we both agree that if there was a number that they were looking for, it would have already been offered. So at this point, what's the next, what, what's the goal? All right. We got more, uh, to discuss here on the, uh, July 19th, 2021 version of the, uh, Tim McKernan show podcast. Uh, but before we do, let's talk about Jim Rogers restoration. When Jackson, you and I and Aggie are playing with Jim tomorrow. Yep. We're going to shave strokes. Yep. Uh, Iggy set, uh, I set Iggy's number of 83.5 uh-huh. for his score. I'm going to set yours as 79.5. No, I don't. I'm over. You're going over. My long iron game has been so You are not bad. Colin Morikawa. No, he's, no, he's might be the best ball striker I've ever seen. Uh, I am not anywhere near the great Colin Morikawa, who's a year older than me and has two major championships. Major championships. Yeah. But I'm on AM radio, so. Yeah, so you're winning in that way. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Colin. Uh, yeah, Jim Rogers Restoration, one of Central St. Louis. I got a chance to play with him when we were down in Jupiter, and now we're getting a chance to play here in St. Louis. And uh, he got a chance to clean up my basement when it flooded. What a nice gesture. Uh, but I can speak to the quality of work that he does, so if you have any home damage, Make sure you store the words water and mold in your phone along with this number, 314-565-1962, to get in touch with the great Jim Rogers and his staff at Restoration One of Central St. Louis. That's Restoration One of Central St. Louis. Jim Rogers, Restoration One of Central St. Louis. If you are in the market for a financial advisor, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is who I would like to recommend. Mark Hanna is online at Evergreen STL. Dot com. That's evergreenstl.com. Or you can give him a call at 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Major recommendation to Mark. And if you don't have a financial advisor, you need to get one. And Mark Hanna is the one you should be working with. Jackson, you're working with Mark Hanna. You always talk about how he's a great guy. I think his communication skills and his listing skills are what makes him stand out. No doubt. No doubt. He's got me set up so well for the future such a big weight off my shoulders you know because that can stress people out that stresses me out sometimes like what am i going to do you know if life changes marks talk about all that all the time you know sometimes stuff pops up in life and you need to be prepared for that and uh he'll help you be prepared for that he'll lay it all out for you mark is the absolute best and you're right his communication skills are the best because for someone like me who doesn't know anything about finance 
he educates me so I can make informed decisions on what I want to do with my money. And that's what I find so important and what's so great about Mark. So if you don't have someone, I really couldn't suggest Mark Hanna. Anymore. And even if you do have somebody, I'd consider making the switch. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314-889-0503. And any air conditioning issues you might have, oh my God, I dropped my protein shaker. <laughs> Seth Goldcamp, Design Air, Heating and Cooling, online at designairservice.com. Uh, man, when the weather is hot as hell in St. Louis and the air conditioning goes out, you want to make sure you have Seth. Uh, I see we got a high of 95 on Saturday. Ooh, cats and dogs. Oh. That air conditioning goes out. That's a problem. Uh, Seth Goldcamp, design air, heating, and cooling. So I use, they installed a new air conditioner in our home. Train 16 Sear air conditioner. Doug's a client. Jackson's parents' clients. It's design air, heating, and cooling online at designairservice.com. Design air, the official HVAC provider of the Tim McKernan show. Design air, heating, and cooling. Uh, Tim, hope all is well. I'm emailing this topic in now as it's fresh from the weekend. Now this one came in last Monday, Jackson. Mm. So it's a little dated, Yeah. but I kind of wanted to talk about it uh, when it happened, but I was off mm -hmm. and I don't know if you guys talked about it on the radio show or not. I'm not sure if you watched the UFC fight Saturday, I can always take care of that for you and say the answer is no, <laughs> or, or specifically observed what happened with Addison Ray, who's a big TikTok star on Twitter. She did some commentating for the fight and tweeted, I studied broadcast journalism in college for three whole months to prepare for this moment. Presumably, this was tongue-in-cheek. Although her tweet was not necessarily ratioed, there was still hashtag outrage on Twitter. Journalists complaining that she didn't finish journalism school and or doesn't know much about UFC. Furthermore, she took the spot away from more quote-unquote qualified people. She then replied to her own tweet, never mind, y'all got me fired. Obviously, she was there because she can mobilize an audience, especially one that may not be into UFC. This is a typical move for Dana White. The UFC will never be one of the four big sports, but his ability to market the sport and create his empire is impressive. Ultimately, her initial tweet made me laugh because Doug and yourself always joke how journalism school fails to teach business side of journalism, arguably the most important part. Apparently, that's still the case. It seemed like a perfect QFTA topic, combining the lack of business knowledge and journalism and outrage on Twitter Curious if you have any further commentary on the situation. Thanks. And that comes from the Sultan of Duck Butter. Did you guys talk about this at all on TMA? No. Um, all right. So I saw it. And I think it maybe it was Andrew Marchand mm -hmm. of the New York Post, media critic, um, who I think I saw it, like the, the tweeting about it and how there were all these people angry about her tweet. And I thought to myself, what are you angry about? Yeah. I mean, the name of the game is mobilizing an audience. That's it. You know, that's, yep. the, that's the name of the game. Yeah. And so she's going to do it more so than what, like the person who's like put in their time and, you know, Grand Rapids and Little Rock. I mean, yeah, exactly. It just doesn't matter. And also the idea that she take. She was offered the job. It wasn't, she didn't demand the job. Right. It was offered to her. I mean, it's shrewd on the part of Dana White to put somebody in there who more people know about than like the reporter who's going to ask. These, it's just so often in our industry, outside of the thing that uh, the Sultan of Duck Butter made reference to, which is a lack of business acumen in journalism, um, we take our roles, and I'm speaking first person plural, um, even though I kind of don't necessarily think that we're 
guilty of that because our show is basically a satire of it. But, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, it's still got to be first person plural. Um, that other people couldn't do it when in reality, the reason why most people in the business don't make money is because so many other people can do it. Yeah. That's the whole point. That's why you rarely have leverage unless you mobilize an audience and, or have a tangible impact on the bottom line because you deliver top line revenue. That's, that's it. It's and it, and it, it isn't discussed. It wasn't for me. I mean, this is 20 plus years now, so maybe it is discussed. So I, I got to make sure I clarify. I mean, this isn't like I'm down in Columbia or Evanston or, you know, Syracuse. And I know what's going on in journalism schools now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the game is, you know, this isn't a coincidence that like a certain look is on television. I, that, that, that I, I don't know when that'll ever get talked about, mm-hmm. you know, like this isn't about like who does the quote unquote best journalism. And that, that at this point now is in the eye of the beholder, because if somebody's reporting one thing, half the country's pissed off at them. Yeah. So it's not about, it's about appearance. It's usually, you know, somebody hits a game winning shot. Uh, tell me what you are feeling right now. Yeah. How many people in the United States would be able to do that? For real, I would think ninety-five plus percent if would can, be able to get would it would be yeah. able to get that out. Yeah, if you can formulate a sentence clearly, it's just not difficult. Now, the ability to look into a camera and deliver like a story conversationally, I suppose it's a talent. But uh, but if, if you're ranking like a thousand talents, it's got to be like in the nine hundreds. Yeah, it's just uh, a lot of people can't do it because of nerves. It's like people you know who can't hit like a three foot putt in a clutch situation, something like that. But it's relatively speaking, it's a, it's a, it's a nerves thing. It's, it's basically an appearance and who can mobilize an audience. And in my God, now, like in local news, which, you know, has been dying for a while, my, with the exception of like older people, it, they, everybody's getting replaced. When I started at KMOV, I was 23 and I was like a freak. And now I think if you start in St. Louis and you're in your thirties, people go, wow, what took you so long to get here? Mm -hmm. It's just changed so much. So if you can bring somebody, if I were a TV station in St. Louis, you know, saying TMA would be self-serving and plus I don't want to do it anyway, but like the Rizzuto show Mm -hmm. or Dave Glover or, you know, a show with a huge following on the radio or a podcast and like integrate them with the news to like mobilize that audience from the podcast or the radio show to have a reason to watch your news, which, you know, is, you know, is what it is as far as an audience goes, that to me would be a play. So I get what Dana White's doing. I honestly, you know, sometimes I'm in the mood to read comments under STL Today articles. If I'm on a high, I say that's a great way to bring yourself down without narcotics. And sometimes I'm in the mood to read uh, comments or mentions on a Twitter uh, story. And so I didn't, I didn't read them but did you read any? You're familiar with this story, I can tell. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, like what the responses were? Were there some journalists going high and mighty? Like, yes, this took a job away from somebody. I mean, give me a fucking break. I've kind of, uh, unless I'm like really feeling good about myself, I've taken away from looking at comment section because I can get caught down a rabbit hole and it just does nothing for me. So I kind of gotten away from the comment section mm, smart, on stuff. Sir. So I did not see it. I saw it, but the, I saw it and I was just like, this is so obviously like bull crap. Like why am I, I don't. Yeah, I, I guess, I guess I'm trying to like dissect it. And I think it's, it's basically shitting on the industry while also getting a job that probably anybody who responded to that in the industry was mad that they will never get. Mm-hmm. 
So it, it, it was a two-pronged attack? Yeah. Even though I know, well, I don't know. My guess is she was just having fun with it, you know, no just being self-deprecating. Yeah. Um, but for those who did actually, quote-unquote, study broadcast journalism, and I, quote-unquote, studied broadcast journalism and never went to shit, never went to shit. I'm, I'm looking back on it, I'm surprised they put up with it. Um, but, uh, this, uh, I, the, the, I would imagine people who feel like that she's shitting on those who went and studied broadcast journalism and got this role. But Doug and I, is just, the salt in the duck butter, the email or writes, we do talk about it. Th there's, there was no, there's no need for the training. Mm -hmm. There's just not the, the training that you get specific to the university of Missouri that all I can say I got. And again, this is 20 years ago is that you are working on a network affiliates news desk and it is real. So you are not getting a degree and then standing in front of the camera and finding out you can't do it. Yeah. And then you do get how to put together a newscast and report and do all that stuff again, you know, to go make no money. I mean, for real, no money I, yeah. for, for real, no money. Um, like I, I'm, I'm talking about like around 50% of the poverty line, 50% yeah. of not, not, not the poverty line, 50% of the poverty line. And have like 150 people wanting the job that you want to work 50% below the poverty line. And then if you color outside the lines, then you get fired. But the only way to actually make money is by coloring outside the lines because yeah. then you're a difference maker. It's a so brutal it's a, paradox. It's a self-fulfilling. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's, a brutal, it's a brutal thing. With that said, I will be the first to say I am incredibly grateful for what we have been able to experience. But fuck, when we started doing what we did in 2004, there were old people who wanted us fired in the first few weeks. And they almost did fire us in 2004 because it was different. So when I see stuff like this, it's just a lack of self-awareness of the state of the industry. It's like when people, like I see like newspapers get shut down or reporters get let go. And then a bunch of people in journalism will say, what a shame, this is so wrong. And it's like, well, it's not because they wanted to let them go and they're going to go, you know, replace, they have no money. Yeah. It's business. I mean, your mom worked, does she still work in the industry? Or she, yeah. Mm -hmm. She's the editor of the Jewish light. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you you know what the situation is. So yeah. she was at the Post-Dispatch though, right? 25 years, yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure that there's probably a business side of the story as to why she's not there anymore. She was bought out. Okay, was, well, there we go. So that's the deal. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, is it a shame? Yeah, but things change. Uh -huh. I feel like one of the things that's a flaw in St. Louis is we hold on to the past as opposed to talking about either the now or the future. Uh -huh. It's such a... Miss Yana said something about that uh, in his post game comments. Actually, when yeah. you're talking about the past, it's more ego. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, what, what are you thinking about doing? What, you know, talking about the, like, yeah, you know, like I think what I was talking about with baseball a few weeks ago. Uh huh. Yeah, it's, it's just dying and there's, it can't really do anything about it. It was great and it had a wonderful run. Yeah. And then maybe it hurts feelings to say that because you picture going to the game with your dad like I did. It's uh -huh. still one of my favorite moments of my life going to the, my first Cardinal game with my parents in 1982. Um, what spring training means, I'm not saying it's going to be gone in the next, but I just don't, I think it's going to continue to have a downward trajectory, not like a drop off, just a downward trajectory. It's just things change. The train was the main mode of transportation. Yeah. Forever. It changes. Things change. I Everything has a shelf life. That's just the way that it is. Yeah. And so, you know, it's things change. You don't have to be mad about it. This doesn't mean that the big, bad, rich man is is heaping profits by firing reporters. There's no revenue. Look at the, I mean, what the newspaper was something, even in the 2000s, early 2000s, you would get up and look forward to reading. 
Jackson used to walk into these studios at sports talk radio stations and all you would have are post dispatches around. Mm -hmm. And now it's, I mean, you see what's in there. There are people reading on their laptops and they're, if anything, they're looking at social media. They're not reading the newspaper. I enjoy reading it, but I read it in an online or iPad form or on my phone or whatever. Yeah. Uh, It's the game has just changed. And I think, so I think people, most people's mindsets come from their own self-interest. Totally. Nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, I'm certainly right there too trying to take a step back on it, the Addison Ray thing, um, I would imagine were people in broadcasting who are mad about their lot in life because more than likely they're not making much money because that's the business uh, for most. And, um, you know, we're pissed that she got a chance to do this, but then also that she shit on studying broadcast journalism in college. But I could never, ever, ever, ever recommend somebody study broadcast journalism. Mm-hmm. Ever. And I've been saying this for a long time. So, you know, what what we learned studying broadcast journalism had zero application as to business. And to me, that's the thing that a lot of people get backed into a corner because it's perfect in your 20s. You don't need to make a bunch of money. You most likely don't have families. Working late is fine. Working weekends is fine because then you go out afterwards and it's totally cool. And then whatever, whether it's your late 20s or early 30s, you go, holy shit, I don't like I got to work on Christmas again. I got to work on Thanksgiving again. I got to work nights and weekends. I have a wife and now I have kids and I don't get to see them anymore. Holy shit. You know, I mean, that's what happens. So it's a perfect job for your twenties. As long as you now you're going to have to press eject at some point. Yeah. But then what happens is you're not accumulating marketable job skills in your twenties, whereas your peers are, and then you decide to leave. And now you have to start out and compete with people fresh out of college and you're wanting to make a certain amount of money because you have a family. It is such a dangerous thing. If it works out, absolutely wonderful, but it's so rare to work out. And so I think that's the source of this, you know, I, yes, the, the business of journalism, I think could be a great, not just course. I think it should be like a minor Uh because there's something to be said for it. But the business of journalism is actually the thing that I think has played a monster role in the divide in the country because people look at the news and just go, well, this is altruistic. This is idealistic. This is real. When in reality, Fox News is a business. CNN is a business. MSNBC is a business. The newspapers are businesses. They're all businesses. They're trying to get your attention because once they get you to watch, they monetize you watching. So that's the game. So they're not going to just give you something that's boring. They're going to try to mobilize an audience as they did with Addison Ray. Um, Let me see here. Timmy recaps. Oh, I remember getting this one. This was last Sunday. Uh, Timmy recaps brings it strong with his QFTAs. He's If we had a a HOF for QFTA, a lot of letters. I think he'd be in there. Uh, let's see. I don't, I'm not familiar with this and I may mispronounce this person's name, Jackson. There is a chance you're familiar. I don't know if you're familiar with Casey Neistat or not. Are you familiar with, I'm, I'm reading the email. N-E-I-S-T-A-T. No. But he's a YouTuber who found incredible success by doing daily vlogs. He did a vlog every day for three years straight, which turned him into a lucrative branding partner and personality due to his massive audience. He's now moved on from YouTube for the most part and has become a tech investor and business owner whose career I enjoy following. I listened to a podcast with him today and he mentioned having the self-awareness and the fact that those vlogs, while extremely lucrative, 
were an absolute grind that he knew wouldn't support him forever due to media's ever-changing landscape and the daily mental exhaustion which took a toll on his family, mental health, and body. It nearly led to a divorce due to being a workaholic. He mentioned clearly knowing that he would have to milk it for everything it was worth because his audience would eventually move on and outgrow his channel, so he made a conscious choice to put his responsibilities as a day-to-day husband and father on hold in hopes of something bigger materializing for him and his family. So it got me thinking, has there been a point during your career with TMA where you didn't think it was sustainable for a long-term financial health, financial health, mental health, or family perspective? Did it or does it ever feel like a sprint where you have to be, keep grinding three hours a day, five days a week on air in hopes of it leading to something which you feel is more bankable and or sustainable? Clearly, with the benefit of hindsight, even if TMA ended today, it would be considered a wild success. But I'd imagine it hasn't always felt like that to your employees, coworkers, or family. It doesn't take too much reading between the lines to hear in your voice when you're exhausted, frustrated, or tapped out. Have there been cycles of exhaustion? Has COVID been your least favorite era of TMA? Well, there's a lot in here, brother. (laughs) Um, I I read the first couple paragraphs when I got it, but I haven't read through the whole thing yet. I'm interested in your perception of TMA as a career. Is there something bigger or grander that you have your eyes set on that would be more fulfilling professionally in your current age and role as a husband and father? Has TMA ever felt like or been seen as a launching pad to something else for you personally? Does TMA still feel challenging from a professional standpoint? I don't know this to be a fact, but it didn't seem like the station ownership thing from 2020 uh, was necessarily a forecasted goal of yours. Uh, That's astute. I'll tip my cap on that because I've never really said that, but that's a nice read. Mm -hmm. Rather, something that just got uh, that just got of presented itself that maybe try to say just kind of presented itself. I know there is a lot there to unpack. I know there is a lot there to unpack here and it isn't necessarily a poignant question, but whatever this might take, wherever this might take you, uh, might lead to a good deep dive ramble for QFTA, or maybe it's too personal to discuss, which I understand. Thanks. That's some recaps. God, he's good. Yeah, he is. He's really good. Yeah, he's talented. <laughs> um, well, let's see, Jackson. What are you, first off, you, you've been a part of it for six months, seven uh-huh. months. Yeah. But a listener for a long time before that. Yeah. Uh, you are aware of what we have. Uh-huh. And by that, I mean our options. Uh-huh. I have, uh, let's see, me, you, Doug, and Iggy have met a couple of times to discuss uh, what our uh, options are and, uh, you know, so on and so forth with regards to... Um, um, we're in a very nice spot, Uh I guess, but I don't, it's tough to talk about it without talking about it. Yeah. But for the purpose of the audience, because I sometimes read, I sometimes read these things, but at the same time, I don't, I don't, I can't get upset about it because if, if nobody is, uh, you know, if, if nobody is, is telling people otherwise, it's like the scene in the American president, you ever see the film, the American president? I really like that movie. Yeah. It's written by Aaron Sorkin. So I probably should get on that. Um, I like Michael Douglas a lot, so I'll probably watch that soon. I'd like to recommend it to you. All right. Can I give a homework assignment? Can yeah. I give a co- homework assignment? If you're giving me a homework assignment as a movie, I'm ha- that's a great All right. I'd be curious what you think about it. Okay. Written, I, I think it's 95, 96. Yep. I think you'd have to consider it good. Yeah, I've It's heard... certainly idealistic. It's written by Rob Reiner, directed it, so you yeah. can kind of get an idea of where it's going. Yeah, exactly. But from an entertainment standpoint, I think you'll enjoy it. For sure. And at some point, I believe it's Michael J. Fox's character says to Michael Douglas's character, who's playing the president, and I can't recall what uh, Michael J. Fox's role in the White House was, but um, 
Either way, uh, you know, he's screaming at Michael Douglas to respond to his political opponent um, because he's the only one doing the talking uh-huh. and and people are believing him. And Michael Douglas screams back that sometimes uh, people uh, will drink the sand, uh, not the water, because they don't know the difference. Uh-huh. And so there have been times over the last, I don't know, I mean, certainly over years the thing with the Dan Marshall 1380, the woman 590, the man thing that made that easy was that the audience knew everything. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, Doug didn't, the cat didn't. Uh, I guess producer Joe was around for part of that. We didn't have to say anything. Mm-hmm. The audience knew or the audience could pick everything up and we could just go about our business. The tough thing that this situation has had is there have been things reported as fact that aren't factually accurate. And, um, the audience, I don't feel like a lot of people in the audience anyway, but clearly not Timmy recaps. He had a nice read in there. Uh, think some things that are actually f- inaccurate, mm-hmm. but I can't be mad because it's not like I'm saying here is the truth and they're not believing me. Yeah. I'm not saying anything. Yeah. That's a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there will come a time where I ever will. And I suppose I would draw a parallel, not necessarily a great parallel, but a parallel to we were talking about earlier with the Rams thing, Stan Kroenke and Kevin Demoff kind of doing their victory lap mm-hmm. and then like bragging about the whole process like the day after. Yeah. And now that's, you know, like Kevin what was the point? The yeah. Like what's the point? And yeah. not that this, this situation is that situation at all, but it's kind of like, you know, I'm not looking to. There's no upside to it. Yeah. That's, that's how I operate. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm not, you know, so it's, it's frustrating in that sense, but then if I do get involved with it, then it's like, understandably, then there will come more questions, and then it's like, well, where do I stop? Yeah. So I can't, it's a, t- it's a tough spot because I can't win. And it's disappointing because I think that has played a role in a portion of the audience thinking things that aren't true. Mm-hmm. And um, But I don't know when and where to start and stop correcting things. I've seen one thing that I don't think anybody would have a problem with me um, correcting if anything maybe people would like it uh that that john hadley who operates the radio station outbid me to buy kfns and where in the fuck did that come from (laughs) (laughs) i mean where in the fuck did i for for real like where did that even start i have no idea where that started because sometimes i know where it starts it starts in the newspaper yeah or i know who the people are that go to the newspaper and and then get it out there um I don't know where that one came from because uh-huh. there's not like a sliver of, of truth to it. And as recaps says, but I've never said this. That's why it's a little kind of like, Oh, I tip my cap. How did you pick up this? I uh, said, I don't know this to be a fact, but it didn't seem like the station ownership thing from 2020 was necessarily a forecasted goal of yours, rather something that just kind of presented itself. And that's, that is accurate. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, I think, and you're a listener at the time, yep. but I think, think i think the audience some in the audience saw that and i know some in the public who i wouldn't even consider in the audience saw that as a great accomplishment and a great win and in reality and i say this and i don't know how to say it without it it, it, the, the true intent is respectful it wasn't and it wasn't it because anybody could have bought it yeah and i and i'm not saying that flippantly i'm just saying that this wasn't like a 25 million dollar acquisition where we put together a bunch of venture capitalists and 
and raised raised it and you know that's not what I would imagine people understand that but but at the same time I say that and it's like well if 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 somebody came in here and talked about their business and take your pick of whatever industry that which is common knowledge to them they could be talking about it and for me it's like I'm reading the first chapter of the textbook and I don't yeah. understand so it's it's a weird spot and then on top of that I'm trying to operate you know, just for lack of a better term, professionally and just do our show um, and be respectful of the situation. And, but it's, it's difficult. It's difficult when things are either said that aren't true or people think things that aren't true, but you can't really play whack-a-mole yeah, because you don't know what it, where it's coming from. Yeah. But you know, yeah, the, 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 just to be real crystal clear, there was no bidding. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anybody had a problem with me saying that. There was nothing even close to a bidding war. Um, you know, and I, I guess I can just like, so, so like I think that if there's perceived tension, which is inaccurate between me and John Hadley, who I have a really good relationship with, um, you know, that, that's just not, it's just something it's not. And if they, they think, or people think that's because I was outbid to buy the radio station, it's just not, I'll make this, I'll make it crystal clear, highlight this, put it on the timestamp on the, uh, on the podcast. Uh-huh. I was not dying to buy KFNS or any radio station, nor am I dying to buy KFNS or any radio station at this moment. I wasn't then. So tip of the cap to Timmy recaps for the read because I haven't said it. And just to make it crystal clear, Buying a radio station is not, you know, that's just not, you know, not, and maybe there's some people still holding out hope that that, but that's just not, that's not in 2021. That is not where I am, nor is it where that's the other element of the outbidding thing. But at the same time, I know the people who are part of our group, you know, so it's, you know, the outbidding thing, like if it's like my dollars against somebody else dollars, I get that. Yeah if there was a bidding war, but it's not, you know, there's their investors, Yeah. but you know, 15 years ago, I didn't know how investors worked. I had no idea. So I talk about this stuff like everybody does it and yeah. knows it when in reality, I, you know, I know that that isn't necessarily the case that most people probably don't ex experience that. And that's not because of some accomplishment per se. It's just not something that, that most people wind up having to, to deal with. Um, so it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird thing because I feel like there has been this disconnect between me and a part of the audience that I think I always go back to the article about my contract in 2016. I feel like that was the moment, um, where I went from just being a guy and then it's like, oh, fuck him. He makes a lot of money. And that's certainly in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. Um, and, and now it's like, okay, we we're pulling from when you were just a guy, but now that you're making a nice amount of money we don't support you. And now you, it's your responsibility to just spend your money to keep people around to who, you know, we like, mm -hmm. um, which I did, Yeah, but I didn't talk about it, but I did. Um, and then not knowing any of the other circumstances. And then I same somehow, uh, got blamed and still, you know, you know, like I saw something, I got an email last week about Iggy and like, I mean, you're his boss. I'm like, how I mean, I mean, I can't tell if it's like performance art at this yeah. point. I'm no one's boss. Yeah. I'm literally, there's an, I don't have an employee. <laughs> I'm, I'm no one's boss at any company anywhere. Yeah. So 
you know, with, with, with the question on TMA and what this gentleman, and I'm going to call him Neistat. I feel like I'm mispronouncing it and it's, I, I apologize if that is the case. Um, this thing, this, this thing you talk about with him is something I can relate to in a major way. I would tell you, I don't want to, it wouldn't be fair to blame me getting divorced, you know, albeit 14 years ago at this point, 13, 14 years ago, um, on the stress of the show. But the stress of the show, combined with the fact that I didn't sleep Mm -hmm. or had an awful sleep schedule, absolutely played a role in it. But it wasn't the stress of the show. The show is as stressless as possible. We have very rarely had any problems as far as the interactions of the people working on the show in the, you know, 17-year history of the show. Uh, it's the stress surrounding, really, kind of the elements of keeping it together. That that 2007, to me, stands out. The first half of 2007 was when Martin had quit and... Uh, October 06, Joe, producer Joe got fired in like September 06, and then the cat got fired in January of 07. And that was the Bob Fesco time. It's not like Bob was a bad guy at all. Uh-huh. You know, it was, it was just, a, it was a time where this thing that I loved was just blown up. Yeah. yeah. And the audience is angry. Uh, I'm the only one left. And so they're angry at me, uh-huh. even though they know at that point that I didn't have anything to do with it, didn't own it or anything like that. It didn't matter. Um, that was brutal. I was in depression then. I truly was. I'm not saying that like is like the the way people sometimes say, oh, I'm just depressed. Mm-hmm. I, I truly was in depression uh, during that time. Um, six years later with the Dan Marshall thing, that one was a great time actually. Mm-hmm. As weird as it was because the audience was on our side. Yeah. Um, and that means something uh, in a big way. And, uh, it makes you want to keep going. It makes you want to keep fighting Yep. when the audience, when you feel like the audience is on your side, when you don't feel like the audience is on your side, it, it, it makes you uh, a constant struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was, that was easier. Plus, I mean, we knew we would win. I mean, we, you know, uh-huh. that wasn't a really a great accomplishment, yeah. but minus 500. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, but you know, but it still was, it still was a challenge and looking yeah. back, but it still was a great uh, time. The, there were other elements of 2013 that made it brutal. People, I'm sure, would talk about the the Albert Pujols, Jack Clark thing, um, and I understand them talking about that because that's got that. But there was a lot more to it, and that it was so it was so personal. Um, I don't know if I'll ever talk about all that. Uh, that that made it, and man, I'm less than shit. I'm thinking maybe only two people even know why that was even more, and it was all at the same time too. That was brutal. And I suppose I was in a some some form of depression for a short period of time, but never more than 2007. Um, absolutely wore me the fuck out. Um, that 2007 was brutal because it was six months, and I just went in. I was willing. I was under contract for another, um, I think, close to two years, 20 months, and I just said, "Here, you can have it." have you can have the money i just want to leave mm-hmm. you know i just want to leave it was so brutal so when you write this question and you ask this i can absolutely relate to it in that sense but i love doing the show well last night you know we got back from vacation yesterday afternoon evening 
And my wife goes, oh, how do you feel about having to go into work tomorrow? And she goes, you probably don't even think anything. Of it. I go, yeah, if anything, I kind of missed doing it last week. Yeah. I mean, that's a great thing. Yeah, that's the way awesome. you, I mean, you want to be able to say that for as long as you're working, mm -hmm. you know, it, all while recognizing that that may not be the case, but knowing that for this long of a period of time, like I'm looking forward to going to work. I could have worked last week. I would have been a-okay with it. Yeah. I love doing the show. The, the gratitude I have for what we have, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you have it yet, Jackson, because it's only been seven months for you. Uh huh. But um, uh, I just, you know, I wake up happy every morning. Yeah, because you just love love doing. It. I mean, yeah. so so that's why you fight for it. You fight for it that too. But you fight for it when you feel like the audience, like you know, the audience is, you know, on your side, and the yeah. audience is right to be on your side. And it's tough when that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, let's see, I want to make sure I try to, cause he, uh, he, as he acknowledged, answered, asked a lot of questions. Has there been a point during your career at TMA where you didn't think it was sustainable from a long-term financial health, mental health, or family perspective? No, the answer to that is a, a, easily a hard, fast no. And Jackson, you've now been privy to these conversations. So you've seen some, yeah. seen and heard if anything, the thought process of both me and Doug, and I'd include the cat in there as well. Um, I think producer Joe probably, even though he hasn't been part of the show for eight years, if anything, I would say it's probably the opposite in this sense. We've always felt like, how the fuck isn't this like yeah, undervalued? Yeah. 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 Like it, like how in the world, if anything, it's almost a, in a sense, a sad story, but at the same time, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I would call it a sad story because we're happy. So how could it be sad? But it's like this thing that, you know, I don't know. I really do. I just, it's tough to, to tell like the whole story of the whole story of 2021, not even going back to 2020 or 2019, 2021 would give people all the information in the world, really. Uh, Cause it's been going on and it still is going on since um, February, uh, mid February. Uh, the day Rush Limbaugh passed away actually is the day everything really started. And it's great. Mm -hmm. As you know, yeah, it's great. It's it's probably the the high the high point of my career and the high point of this show. What's going on? Um, it, it is. I mean, it's 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 it's, a, it's as flattering as it could possibly possibly get. Doesn't mean it's not stressful, but it's flattering. But um, I think we've all felt um, like you know, I'll say to people, I'm like. Yeah, the, like like TMA isn't like this hobby that I do because I, I giggle, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's a viable product. Very much so. Don't like go, okay, yeah, you do this, you do this, you know, you do that. Well, I mean, and then they'll say, I'll say, well, yeah, but what about TMA? Well, I mean, you know, that's not, why the fuck isn't it an option? Yeah, seriously. I mean, how many other shows have what we have? Yeah. So, I mean, I... My my wife is I mean, not like she's always, but we happen to be in the car. And one of these conversations, one of the person goes, well, you know, you're going to have to figure out what you want to do. But, you know, you know, so what do you want to do? And I'm on the call with people, people I like to, I'm not mad about it. Uh -huh. They're running their business. And I said, well, I want to do TMA. I'm like, well, you know, that's not possible. I go, well, isn't that possible? <laughs> it's a successful show for 17 years with like a ridiculous amount of advertising revenue and a ridiculous amount of audience loyalty. And honestly, I don't even think we've tapped into like a 10th of what we can do yeah. using social media, video, 
um, live streaming YouTube, you know, increasing the content with the show. I have so many fucking ideas with it. Yeah. And you just go, God, is it, is Doug will sometimes say in the middle, is it me? Is it me? <laughs> it can't be me. It's can't be. Is it me? It can't yeah. be. It's gotta be him. Right. Yeah. And I'm not, and I, I get it. I do, I do get it in the sense that it would be a, you know, but I will fight for it. I'll fight for us because yep. that's who I believe in. Uh, that's what, that's, that's what's worked. And some people absolutely get it. And then sometimes other people don't. So that, and, and, and that is something that is shared, you know, with my family. I mean, there's really, you know, uh, Jameson is three. He's not really active <laughs> in the discussions. So with, with my wife, she feels the same way. I mean, she's, you know, the show started in 04. We started in, in 2008 as in Anna Marie and myself. And, um, you know, it's, it's something she's, she's lived through a lot of these experiences yeah. and she shares the opinion. So it's not like I'm like the guy in my mid forties still out there playing on the corn ferry, hoping that it's going to happen. Yeah. We're kind of like, the thing that we will say is whoever decides to do it is going to go, why in the hell didn't we do this sooner? Now they'll be happy that they did it, yeah. but then it's going to be, this was in our own backyard the whole time. Uh-huh. And, and that's, yeah. you know, that, and, but, but that isn't, that isn't like me and my wife saying that that's me and Jackson. That's me and Doug. That's me and Iggy. You know, that's, uh-huh. that's all of us. That's all four of us. We've sat at the same table a few times and had these conversations here over the last couple of months. Yeah. Um, so, and another thing, by the way, by uh-huh. the way, uh, I, I sometimes get these things. Well, I know TMA is coming to an end. I go, where the, f- where the fuck do you get that? Yeah, I don't get that. I mean, I kind of, in a way, it's kind of like it might be more advantageous to make people think that it is. So then when it, it isn't, it's yeah. like a big win. But, you know, I don't, you know, so here, you know, what, an hour into the podcast, you're getting the, it ain't going away. I mean, no. I, I mean, unless, unless there's something I, I, I'm not aware of, but, you know, the four people who are on the show right now, uh, you know, um, we're all you know, planning on working together for a good long while. So yeah. that makes you happy. Uh, but if you were hearing otherwise, I don't know who the fuck was telling you that <laughs> since we're the ones that kind of seems we, like that's the theme of this whole question is who the fuck is telling you all this? <laughs> well, I don't think that he's saying that, but he's asking questions no, like yeah. the mental health stress of it. Uh, so I'm trying to say things I can say without saying too much. Cause I yeah. would love to say everything. I would love to, uh, here's the thing that I am told uh, it's, a, it's, it, I don't, you know, Iggy talks about his book. Yeah. And I think his, I don't know if his book, it's like somebody said, I had like a deep dive with Iggy on the Barrett thing. And I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't mind that, but I feel like we've kind of already heard it and it'll just be so like. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's, it's <laughs> pissing on the grave. Right. In a way. And, and, and while I would laugh about it, I'd also kind of be like, ah, eh, you know, we've kind of done it. And so his thing will come more from maybe a place of, I don't know, anger, Yeah, I guess. Like, I'm just going to, if I were to, when I talk with, there's a guy who, um, I don't think it would matter if I said who it was, but I'm not going to just because I'm not going to, uh-huh. who we all have a close relationship with um, in radio. And uh, we were talking a couple weeks ago and he goes, God, I know I said it to you a long time ago. He goes, I feel even more strongly about it. You have to write a book. He goes, for as much as you might make doing this and that and this and that, he goes, write a book. He goes, it's unbelievable. And it's not, it's not like it's, 
you know, these are, you know, yeah, this is just, it, it will be a recounting of what happened. You know, that I remember what song was number one in July of 1984. I certainly remember what has happened with this show over the last 17 years. Yeah. The issue with it is, it is some of it'll make it, you know, it'll make it sound like it's, it's so fucking nuts that people will think it's made up. Yeah. And then I don't really have any interest in litigation or anything no, like that, but no. that's, that's, that's the thing about it. So, but just even just telling the story of 2021, which, which is really a hundred percent positive shit. Uh-huh. Um, still would probably be embarrassing for some people. Um, in some respects, I suppose, even though it's not meant to be like malicious and recounting it, I'm just not doing it. And I know it sucks. This is the worst kind of broad. At least I think it's the worst kind of broadcast. Like I'm, well, I know something you don't, but I'm trying to give you as much as I can without like giving everything away. You know, I mean, I, and I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's the wrong thing. Jackson, Jackson, tell me what you think. I started this out with a question to you that I never asked, which is <laughs> fucking amazing, but yet not really amazing. Cause this is the Adderall hour. This is the, yeah, we're, we're hip deep. It's starting to really seep into our bloodstream at this point. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, you got, it's uh, I think it's good to talk about, but yeah, you got it's a, it's a tough line to toe, but I think it's, uh, encouraging. I mean, I think, and I think like people, you're right. Like people are like, Oh, TMA, like, yeah, it's kind of like wrapping up and like, this is, it's like, well, well like, I so you've seen this too. Yeah. It's, okay. It's like, well, where do you have friends asking you this or like, kind of that or just like insinuations you see. And it, this could have even happened before I joined the show. Um, but it, it's just that that's not. And for people to appear like no, like we're all, all four of us are very like comfortable saying like, we're going to be working together for a good long while. I think that'll people like to hear that stuff. Yes. Well, so, I mean, yeah. so in that sense, maybe, I mean, we're clearly burying the lead, although from our, as in me and you, our yeah. perspective, or if you had Doug and Iggy in here, we would say the same thing. Yep. Um, you know, so much of 2021 has been, you know, me talking with people and saying, Hey, you know, you, you, you know, you're enamored with this or, or that, but it's, it's not, it's not a me thing. It's not yeah. a Doug thing. It's not an Iggy thing. It's not a Jackson thing. It's, it's an us thing. It's an us thing. Yep. So whether it's somebody in the audience really likes somebody or whether somebody in the audience doesn't really like somebody, what I think the vast majority of the people in the audience can acknowledge is if you don't have the group, you don't have the dynamic and the dynamic is the thing that works. Yep. And so that's the thing. And I've, always i've always so much of my shit comes from a random movie the girl next door have you seen it i feel like i gave you that assignment. i'm giving you i think i'm giving you some wonderful films to watch yeah i've never seen the girl next door you got to watch it because okay. so much of my shit the juice is worth the squeeze that's where it comes from gotcha you got to make sure the juice is worth the squeeze uh-huh. which really isn't all that poignant but i use it all the time and it is truly how i think about things yeah it's i, I think about that with like okay a pin position much less <laughs> a business decision is yeah. the juice worth the squeeze um, but also another thing from the film, the girl next door is the three legs of the tripod, which I'm talking to you about. And I know you haven't seen the movie. I think you'll really enjoy it by the way. Cool. Um, and, uh, and that's the, you know, if one leg of the tripod falls, then the whole yeah. tripod falls. Yeah. So I remember I felt back in the day, I used to say this to Martin and the cat. I said, we're a tripod. Yeah. You know, if one of us leaves the whole thing, Collapses. you know, it does. Yeah. And that, so I, but here we are, you know, years, I mean, a bunch of years later, I was in my mid twenties then, and now I'm in my mid forties and that's, that's how I feel. Um, so, but I love it. It's not as so, so the, the, the question that 
led to this whole discussion from recaps sounds like this guy was stressed out by what he was doing mm -hmm. and felt like he knew it would come to an end and so he had to capitalize on it. I follow all of that. Mm -hmm. I don't share any of that. Yeah. I don't share any of that. I've been stressed out quite a bit by things surrounding what we do, mm -hmm. but never by seven to 10. I suppose January 7th, 2021, I was stressed out. That yeah. was that was a low point as far as the show goes from my standpoint. Um, but um, working with, you know, I mean, for real, almost anybody who has been on TMA or the morning grind for real. And you're probably talking about when you include producers and board operators and hosts, even though there's only been four hosts, Martin, Doug, the cat and myself. Uh -huh. Um, although for my money, Iggy's a host. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you have, you know, he's been a producer going back to, I think oh seven and on and off over that time. And then the producer, you've just had nothing but for the most part, great people. Yeah. Great people. Uh -huh. Like great people so that that element hasn't been stressful it's some of the stuff that we had to de deal with but we deal with it because we fight to keep it together mm -hmm. we deal with it to fight for each other if we can um and that's you know that's what it's been so that i don't i don't regret nor has it been a nor has that part uh, been a stress. Uh, did it or does it ever feel like a sprint where you have to keep grinding three hours a day, five days a week on air in hopes of it leading to something which you feel is more bankable and or sustainable? Uh, no. The answer to that is no. I mean, you know, no, I, it, it, that's never been, that's never, that, that, that mindset hasn't yeah. been there ever because it's so, we, I mean, we could do it for 10 hours. Yeah. That's what you said. We, like if we had to do like a 12 hour broadcast for charity, like it it would be, it could be done. We could do it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like, I'd be like, oh shit, what am I going to, you know, have a chance to do this during the day? But I wouldn't be like, oh my God, we got to do 12. We just would. Yeah. And we'd like, we'd like it on top. I think it would be pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we'd like it on top of it. Yeah. Um, clearly with the benefit of hindsight, even if TMA ended today, it would be considered a wild success, but I'd imagine it was always fault like that to you, your employees, coworkers, or family. That part, that part is accurate, but I'm thinking about, again, the off-air stuff, not the seven to 10 stuff. It doesn't take too much reading between the lines to hear in your voice when you're exhausted, frustrated, or tapped out. That's that part's surprising to me um, because I don't really know. I think sometimes people think I am when I'm not. Mm -hmm. Kind of like the, you know, like the the narratives thing, like the John Hadley outbid me. John yeah. Hadley doesn't. I don't think I'm saying it. John Hadley's not even the one buying the radio station. No, Dave Zobrist is, and Dave's a great guy, great guy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't think I'm, I don't think if we can, if I am, we'll edit it out. <laughs> I would imagine they'll be happy to hear me saying this stuff. Yeah. You know, I have right of first refusal on the radio station. Uh -huh. So well, I guess that should put the bidding war thing together yeah, right there. Should. I suppose yeah. that didn't even, I guess I could have ended it right there. I have right of first refusal yeah. to buy the radio station. So if I wanted to, I could, and that's not because I ball so hard. We're not talking about a $25 million purse. That's the thing I keep, we're not even talking whatever yeah. point being on bringing that up is I have given up my right of first refusal. So Dave Zobrist can buy the radio. It's specific to Dave Zobrist, yeah. but so Dave can buy the radio station. That's how highly I think of Dave. I think he's a really good guy. Um, and whether we are here or we are not here when my contract expires, um, it, that doesn't change that. And that's something Dave and I have talked about a, a great deal. Uh, you know, so I want to make sure that, that I say that as well. Cause I'll say that the whole time. And I know he's, he'll say that we've talked about that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, he's made it very clear. He wants, he introduced me to somebody. I think you were in here, uh, last week or two yeah. weeks ago. And he goes, this is Tim McKernan. He hosts the morning after we hope he's here for five, 10 years. Hey, however long you want to be here, yeah. you know, that's, that's, that's the mindset. So there isn't any tension wear out. I don't know when it would, when it, sometimes I guess I just maybe I don't get a good night's sleep and then the show sucks and that is on me. That is a hundred percent on me, but it's like once out of every three weeks or so. Yeah. If that, yeah, it's just, that's, that's when it, that's when I feel like it, it can't be good. So I don't know when the other, the other things are, but people might just think something's going on, but there really just isn't. No. Um, yeah, cycles of exhaustion. Has COVID been your least favorite era of TMA? Uh, yeah, but I mean, it just happened to overlap with other elements of stuff going on. I know you weren't here for it, Jackson. It was a weird time in that something that we enjoyed talking about for a couple of weeks, as unfortunate as the situation was, March of 2020 with COVID, in a matter of a day, I felt like, went from something we could talk about to something if when we were talking about it, the vitriol. Yeah. Was un, it was unlike anything I've ever seen in yeah. the show's history. Yeah. You know, and it got so, um, I don't know if I would call it scary hate mail, perhaps, but just like intense hate mail, intense yeah. hate mail. Um, has TMA ever felt like, uh, I'm interested in your perception of TMA as a career. Is there something bigger, grander that you have your eyes set on that would be more fulfilling professionally in your current age and role as husband and father? Has TMA ever felt like or been seen as a launching pad to something else for you personally? Does TMA still feel challenging from a professional standpoint? I don't know this to be a fact, but this seemed like the station ownership thing from 2020 was necessarily a fork. wasn't necessarily a forecasted goal of yours, rather something that just kind of presented itself. Um, yeah, with regards to um, TMA's equipment, what else could you ask for? Yeah, shit. <laughs> I mean, if you would have told me, I remember when I was caddying at Old Horson. Yeah. In 1998, Jackson, mm -hmm. I remember thinking, you know what I would like? And I'm still in school at this point. Uh, I would like to be able to play golf in the morning, early afternoon, and then drive down to Bush Stadium and call Cardinal games. That's what my, that's what I was thinking I wanted. So I'm 21 thinking this. So to have that goal and actually still think it's possible at 21, usually those kind of dreams die yeah. you know, sometime probably before puberty. <laughs> uh, and then in a way, kind of have that. I actually think I would rather do TMA than call Cardinal games now, as weird as that might sound. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> uh, it's and it's got nothing to do with the Cardinal product. It's just I, I, I couldn't. It, it's I couldn't be honest. Yeah, I, and I'm not saying that those who do it are not being honest. I couldn't say what I would want to say about things, yeah. and it's just I couldn't do it. And then also, I think kind of that role is an, an ambassador to maybe people who aren't, wouldn't necessarily be big fans of mine. Yeah. I heard you saying that. Be mutual. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and so I wouldn't want to be in that spot. So this is, this is perfect for me. I have three hours to fuck off and I want to talk about the Cardinals. I can, um, but I'm laughing like almost the whole time. Yeah. I mean, what else can you ask for? Yeah. Sometimes we wish we could go another hour. Like there's times for where real, like, I do. We, we have like more stuff to talk about. And now that Doug's, you know, reduced his TV substantially, theoretically, yeah. Um, we could, even though I know he will not want to, but no. uh, usually it was his TV stuff that would, uh, well, I mean, obviously there's other shows on, but he would have to just go and go yeah. to blue skates or whatever he'd have to do. Um, a launching pad, you know, team, I never viewed it that way. 
but the podcast has been a thing that's been eye opening to me and what's going on with the podcast. I remember the first time we started the podcast, October 1st, 2017, I'm like, Oh, I got to talk and just, I'm talking and nobody else is talking. I don't know how this is going to go. And now, you know, this is, this is what I do. So that's been an eye opening. And I think the podcast is the thing that kind of got, got me on the radar with job opportunities, um, here. I don't think it was necessarily TMA because if it was TMA. I wouldn't have to be selling TMA. Yeah, exactly. I, it, 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 it was me individually with like the compliment of somehow you're able to talk politics without pissing people off. And we don't really know how you do that, but, and I don't really know how I do it. Maybe it's because I will call bullshit on whether it's left or right, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I don't know. Um, let's see. Does it feel challenging? I don't, I don't know if I would ever call it challenging. It's, uh, it's been challenging to keep it together, but as far as doing the show, no, not at all. But 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 you don't want it to be. No, if it was challenging, then it wouldn't be fun. Right. I mean, I I guess like I get it. I get the question. I know the questions talk. I know where the the angle is. Like, can you just like you kind of done it? There's nothing else you can do with it. But that's the thing. I feel like there's so much more we can do with it. And so that's the thing that I think for the four of us, and I think especially Doug, if mm-hmm. I may be so um, forthright here mm-hmm. on this podcast. Uh, I think that's something that I don't know if I would call it really important to him, but I know, you know, with having been in on these conversations where he is on some of these things. And, uh, I think that's something that may be, um, important. Like we, we get that we have something. I think Doug, if anything is blown away by how Mm. (laughs) confused, (laughs) uh, uh, confused by its success, especially considering he's done television in St. Louis for as long as he has. And this is the thing that I think you know, has gotten him the biggest response. Um, but that we're all of the opinion as I think a lot of people in the audience are, and they want to see it, uh, continue to succeed and grow that, uh, we feel like as great as it's been to have 17 years, like we haven't even tapped into what it could be. Uh And that's with wherever we are. It's not, it's not radio station or podcast or any of that talking about just like there's more things that we can do yeah and that excites us all of us yeah. you know so the there is no if the question is like hey are you kind of are you kind of done with it the answer is no the, the, the if anything i could have i mean i could have been i truly could have been a few months ago um if i if i really wanted to could have been um and as you know, Jackson, and as you know, everybody on the show knows, and um, hell, I guess I suppose people, some people in station management too know, I chose not to. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, that that's because of loving this. If you have something, this has essentially been these truths that I've kind of been coming to terms with. And it's taken, while I said this stuff started back in February, it's taken, um, it's taken a lot of time and I think I probably got there sometime in June. It's weird that it took this, but it's like TMA has been on from, you know, in morning drive uh-huh. from 2004, it's continued to grow as we see with the downloads and events and advertising dollars and so yeah. on. It just continues to grow. Um, relatively speaking, um, you know, I don't know. I did. I don't know how to phrase it properly, so I'll just back away from it. But, you know, it's continued to grow. It works. 
you can spend all of your career trying to find what we have. Mm -hmm. So you don't fuck with it. Yeah. That's it. That's your, that's, that's, that's your truth. You have to operate off of truths and, um, and get away from fallacy. And, yeah. and so it's like, okay, we have this, we all love doing it. Yeah. Why fuck with it? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of one of those things. I've also gotten to the point for me personally, yeah. where it's not like, I'm like, okay, cause the way it was, and I don't know where you are now. Um, I don't think Pete was there gangster Pete. Um, uh, but I'm probably now more where he is growing up. You went wherever you were going to make the most money, mm -hmm. but there does come a point where you go, okay, well that's, we're good. No matter what, we're good. I want to do the thing that I know I love. Yeah. You know, now yeah. of course that's not, that's not an absolute. Like if one thing is, you know, five times as much, yeah, you might look at it differently. So it's just been, it's been a, it's been a, this year, it's been very helpful when I've had a chance to sit and talk with you guys because I can't yeah. talk about it with most people, yeah. obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but with, um, outside of with my wife, but she doesn't live this, you know, like like we do. She lives it through me, but she doesn't live the, the, the day to day mm -hmm. of doing the show. Um, that that is, that is our, that is our uh, truth, that we love doing it and it works. So it's just like, enjoy it as long as you can. Yeah. But I think there has been something that I think is a misnomer that I am guilty of. And that is, okay, Doug is, you know, this, this old Iggy is this old. And so therefore TMA is coming to an end. Well, yeah, this group will yeah. have at some point it will change. Yeah. Just like gangster Pete was the producer this time last year. And four years ago, John Seymour was the producer and eight years ago, producer Joe was the producer and, uh, Martin Kilcoin was the host and the cat was a co-host and the yeah. Plowhawk was on the board. Things change. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that the show has to go away. Of course. And people have their favorites and their least favorites and the various iterations and oh, the show could never survive if this person left. And I get all of those things because I've heard them all and here we are in 2021. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like, okay, we have this thing. Why, 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 why do we need to change? We don't need to change. It's changing. Yep. It's changing to what we do more than, <laughs> right? than it is. Changing that's the other thing. Else. That's the other thing. You yeah. know, that's the other, you're exactly right. It is. And, and not, and I'd love to like, say we had a plan. Not, we not that we're pioneers or anything. No, but it just, it has, this style has become more, you know, I guess if anything, it's the direction that things are going, not because of us, probably more because of Barstool actually than that anything, would be I, the, would, I would, would say. That would be the biggest thing. Yeah. But it's just, it's what we happen to do. But I think there have been morning drive sports talk radio shows around the country that have had this style. For sure. It's just in St. Louis, it was rare because St. Louis was more Cam Wex, uh sports open line style of sports talk radio. And so when we came along, it's like, this is insane. But yeah. then I, like my parents, I remember I had friends who moved to St. Louis from uh, Jersey and they're like, yeah, we don't get why people say it's controversial. I mean, this is, a, you know, it's kind of light in comparison to the shows in New York, you know, but yeah. in St. Louis, it was, you know, controversial. Um, let's see. I know there's a lot to unpack here and it isn't necessarily a poignant question, but wherever this might take, you might lead to a good deep dive and ramble. I think I've done some, some rambling. I don't know if it's been any good, <laughs> but hopefully I guess the biggest thing people can take away from it is the four of us have gotten together, you know, multiple times here. Um, and you know, I mean, at first off, not only in group, but you know, I'll get on the phone with everybody and, 
let people know where things are. And, mm-hmm. you know, here's what you will most likely be reading in the newspaper. And here's what is true. Here's what is not. So don't believe that. And don't this and that. But, um, yeah, I, I love, I mean, I can't, my gratitude, even if is this recap set, if it were to end today, my gratitude for being able to do this is, is higher than ever at this moment. And I don't know why, I don't know why at this, I'm not talking about this moment, like this, this time period, this era. Um, it's just, it's just, it's, I love it. I just absolutely love it. I yeah. almost hate saying I love it because I feel like it's talking about a no hitter. You know, you know, you know, it's like yeah. you're jinxing it, but I love it. I love doing it. And I suppose the way I look at it is it's kind of, you know, some people, uh, my dad and I were discussing this over the weekend, like them selling their house, the house I grew up in, mm-hmm. uh, in Tam Avenue where they live. And he's like, I should sell that thing right now. Your mother would never let me sell it. I should sell it. I'm like, yeah, I mean, sell the house. The memories don't go in the sale. No. So, but I, I, there are people who have a tough time, especially where they raise their kids selling a house. I get that. I'm not, I'm not mocking it. it I suppose it just depends on your mindset. Uh-huh. The reason I draw the attempt to draw the parallel here is whenever it ends, and maybe it'll be 20 years from now, maybe it'll be, you know, in the next 10 minutes, whenever it ends, the fact is, which I guess was part of the theme of the email, it ran for at least 17 years and we loved it. Mm-hmm. And so, however it ends, will not take away from the fact that we had 17 years where we got up and we fucked around as our job. I mean, you can't have a great... And, and the audience was in on it, too. Yeah. And loved it and played a huge role in its success. Yep. And and we did some great things, not just... I don't know if we did anything great with the show outside of, you know, laughed uh, and fucked off, but, you know, charity-wise, and yeah. did some really impressive things, selfless gestures on the part of of uh, the people involved, the audience, and that was that was a great thing, mm-hmm. um, or is a great thing. My point being, like looking back on it, whenever it ends. So, um, I guess it gets to, and I don't know why I've had more gratitude. Maybe yeah, probably because I was. Th- I, I guess I was thinking about okay, this opportunity's here, this opportunity's here, this opportunity's here. This mm-hmm. person wants to do this, but it only involves me. And I'm going, and and I would kind of get, I would not kind of, I got sad. Yeah. Uh, so then. Then, then that's what I'm saying. I arrived at this truth going, yeah, I mean, other people might want to do that and that's cool if they want to do it. But for me, it's not what I want to do um, because this is what I love. And yeah. so if you love what you do, you do it for as long as you can and you fight for it and you fight for the people who do it with you. And that's mm-hmm. it. That's, that's, that's it. That's our truth. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man. I mean, certainly there's been stressed. Great question. I, the, the YouTuber example uh, I don't see like we got to maximize it while we can, although inevitably there will come a time where, you know, I guess uh, that um, it won't be as, uh, well, it has to come a time that won't be as popular. Um, but that's not the way that I, that, that's not the way that I don't think anybody on the show is thinking we got to maximize this. Uh, I was watching Almost Famous yesterday, good or bad. Good. I would assume. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jimmy Fallon comes in as their new, uh, what is he, their new manager? Yeah, yeah, tour manager. And he goes, you gotta, you know, you gotta seize the moment and get these things, you know, before, you know, I mean, who thinks Mick Jagger's gonna be out there performing at 50 years old, which was yeah. done yeah. mock, you know, the fact that yeah. he's you know, 75 and doing it. But the premise being when that movie was made and they were focused on 1973, 
that you got to seize the moment because inevitably it is going to run out. Yeah. And that is the case for a lot of musicians, for athletes. Mm -hmm. Certainly that's the case. Um, and this will inevitably at some point end. But um, for those who think, you know, and like we'll say like, oh, I just feel like it's coming to an end. I'm going, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's it, it may, but it certainly isn't the plan of any of the four people involved on it. So, right. um Great question, as always, uh, Timmy Recaps. Hopefully that gave you something. Uh, but I always appreciate uh, the deep dive requests, especially if it does actually get my mind firing. All right, Jackson, I think we've gone about 90 minutes, so that'll be enough for today's QFTA. Always, you're more than welcome to follow up with questions. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com, T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com uh, for QFTA for... Action Jackson, Virgin Pringle Sauce Boss. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside of Steel Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.